This is Barry Chandler. And Haley Boning. You are listening to Entrepreneur's Podcast. Hey everyone, it's Daniel, the retailer from Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm sitting here with Haley Boning and Barry Chandler. And Haley has over 20 years of experience elevating storytelling and aligning cultures with differentiated brand positions for Fortune 500 companies, nonprofit organizations, and startups. Most recently, before co-founding StoryForge, Haley spent 16 years designing strategic, leadership, and internal communications to engage the 100,000 global employees of L Brands. Welcome to the show, Haley. Thank you. And Barry specializes in business building, brand strategy, and storytelling. Since 2003, he has built a number of strategic consulting businesses and worked with more than 500 businesses from pre-revenue startups to publicly traded organizations. Prior to founding StoryForge, Barry's background includes luxury hospitality, digital marketing, and brand strategy. Welcome to the show, Barry. Thanks, Daniel. StoryForge is the business they founded in Columbus in 2014. It's a strategy company helping ambitious businesses grow by discovering their singular purpose, forging their story, and aligning their positioning, people, products, and profits with it. So now that we know more about you and where you are now, tell us, uh, both of you, sort of about your background. How did you get to where you are now, to where we are sitting at this table talking about StoryForge? Well, I think Barry and I had very different backgrounds. So we came to this in, in two completely different ways. I had, as you mentioned, a very long uh, experience in corporate America, a little bit of nonprofit before then. Uh, I worked for L Brands. One of the things I also did for L Brands was um, all of the mergers, the acquisitions, the downsizings, the resizings, of which there were many over that 16-year period as the business went from uh, primarily apparel to primarily lingerie and beauty and personal care. Um, so, and in the height of all ironies, um, our last downsizing, I got to be a part of myself. So I found myself after a very long career in corporate America, um, looking out at my next chapter and trying to figure out what I wanted it to be. And I knew that I didn't want to do what I'd just done over again, which is what most of the recruiter calls sounded like. Um, I also knew that I was frustrated by what I saw out in the marketplace, that there were brands and businesses that were building themselves in ways that customers and employees really didn't care about. Um, they were wasting a lot of energy and a lot of people's time focused on the wrong things. So Barry and I uh, started working together as I was consulting, he was consulting. We were bringing ourselves, uh, bringing each other in on projects and finding we were finishing each other's sentences. Um, not because we had the same background, they were really different, but because we had the same beliefs about brands and businesses. That's great. Sounds like a match made in heaven. <laughs> or in business heaven. <laughs> I guess my background is a little bit different, as Haley mentioned. Uh, I've been running my own businesses, uh, starting my own small companies uh, for the last 13 years uh, after training in hotel management originally. And I guess like many people, I didn't end up in uh, in a job that I trained for. You know, Today I work in, in brand strategy and storytelling. It's not what I trained and I started in hotel management. But over the last 13 years, I've worked with hundreds of businesses and what I saw over that time was that they all had, the successful businesses that I worked with all had one thing in common. They, they had a very clear understanding of where they were going and why they were going there. And in 2012 when, when my businesses were acquired and I went to work for a large publicly traded company, 
I saw how slow that company moved, and I saw how hard it was to have decisions made, and I also saw how difficult it was for them to get alignment and a clear direction, and that really frustrated me, and I didn't last very long there, and I, I, I just didn't see my future there, and I, I resigned um, with, with the goal of setting up a business that would help other companies understand how to align themselves with a very clear direction and focus, and that's how, you know, meeting with Haley and talking with Haley about her, her beliefs and her thoughts that we, we came to found StoryForge. That's great. I mean, I think it definitely gives the audience an idea of how you both came to sort of the same point, um, sort of frustrated with what you were seeing and uh, decided that you could align to make a better business. Speaking of, you know, we've discussed purpose and conscious capitalism a lot on our show. So how does StoryForge, this idea that you co-founded, support those ideas uh, through your work? What are you doing that supports the idea of purpose and conscious capitalism? Well, I guess there are two elements there. I mean, both purpose and conscious capitalism. Obviously, day to day, we help companies discover their purpose. Uh, and, and that's why we exist. We help them discover their purpose so that they can tell a story and then live that story throughout the organization. So purpose is integral to everything we do. It's the, it's the reason we get up every morning. It's the reason we stay up late at night. Conscious capitalism uh, is something that we happened upon probably six or eight months after we had founded StoryForge, and we didn't even realize that there was a community of businesses that had found that had organized around this idea of purpose and purpose-led business. So conscious capitalism is something that we we uh, attached ourselves to very early on, understanding that or realizing that purpose was one of the four pillars of a conscious business. And uh, a business really uh, isn't a conscious business unless it has a very clear purpose and a, a kind of a purpose-led culture. So conscious capitalism is something that's very close to our hearts and something we're very proud to be a part of. Yeah, Barry mentioned, I think, one of the things that frustrated both of us that brought us together as a business was looking out at businesses, building marketing campaigns or communication campaigns or employment branding campaigns that were like veneers. They were just on top of the business and they didn't actually come from a very authentic place. And I think whether it's thinking about purpose or the somewhat more complex idea of conscious capitalism, they have to come from somewhere authentic and real um, to work. Yeah. Otherwise, the veneer begins to crack over time. I think authenticity is obviously uh, one of the biggest things people talk about these days because there's so many communication channels. Obviously, you know a lot about communication um, that you have to find a way to communicate that is uh, sincere. And so having a purpose and making decisions based on those purposes and communicating to your customers regarding that purpose is really critical if you plan to be seen as authentic and sincere in the eyes of your customer. So. Um, why do brands need you? What is the thing, I mean, we've sort of talked about a lot of the things that people don't have, but when you walk into a room, I mean, how are you selling yourselves in a way that somebody who crunches numbers understands why you're valuable? I think that any business, irrespective of their size, whether they're a, a single member startup or a company with hundreds of thousands of employees, they face every day hundreds and thousands of decisions that have to be made in the organization. And how do you how do you answer or how do you make those decisions? How do you answer the questions that are asked of the business every day if it's not clear where we're going or why we're going there? Why do we exist? And so having a clear purpose helps you make decisions. It gives you a filter for thinking. It allows you to say no to things that don't clearly align with your purpose. And it allows you to uh, embark upon initiatives that are very obviously aligned with this, with this clear and singular purpose. So brands need purpose uh, in order to uh, move towards their goals in the most efficient way possible and have the greatest impact in the world. 
And you mentioned communications in your question. Uh, there was a Siemens study, maybe five or six years ago, that found that a company of 100 employees typically spent 17 hours a week clarifying communications. And wow. we found that a lot of that lack of clarity and therefore inefficiency in the system comes from a lack of alignment. And there's nothing more important for a business to have alignment around the most important things. Who are we? Where are we going? Why are we here? What are we trying to achieve? Especially as a business grows. I think we find companies coming to us at various stages of their business growth with different needs. You know, sometimes there are businesses that started entrepreneurial with just a few employees, found great success, scaled very, very quickly, and then they reach a moment when the founder and the CEO realizes that he doesn't know everyone who works for him, <laughs> that wow. she doesn't work with um, everyone in her business every day, and things that were coming out by osmosis. Um, suddenly need to be codified and clarified and articulated so that they can be passed along from employee to employee. Mm -hmm. It's not just coming from the CEO anymore. So we find that as, as one kind of business that comes to us. Sometimes it's businesses of hundreds of employees, very large global businesses that may have had a very clear articulated purpose when they began, but over time it's like your heart pumping. Over time, plaque just begins to build up in your arteries, and it makes you slow, and it makes you sluggish, um, and you lose touch with, um, with the clarity of your purpose that you had in the beginning. So, so we find businesses at different stages have different needs, but it almost always, what we find is it comes back to a lack of alignment, a lack of a clear story. Um, and then the, the, maybe the third um, thing that we see is businesses that come to us that have a clear story, but they are not living it. So they have, they have articulated a story that's very clear, a story built on purpose, but the things that they're doing, the actions, the behaviors, their products, their processes, how they're hiring people is dissonant with that purpose. Yeah. I had a recent conversation with a business that is sort of in that growing stage where the founder wants to do a whole lot of other things, um, but he realized that the team, uh, they felt like they needed him in every meeting to make the decision that everybody was going to agree with because they all, everybody else in the meeting had a different idea of where they thought the company could go or what they could buy into or what they could do. And they realized they really needed to create a set of uh, principles, um, that the, they called them timeless elements, to guide decision making. And it was sort of define that purpose with clarity and saying if the decision doesn't align with these things, then it is not a decision we're going to make. And to be able to do that when the founder is not in the room or when the CEO is not in the room frees that founder or CEO to actually build the business in new and inventive ways where they're not just making the decisions about what color t-shirt to make. And that's a point That's a, a point in time where a lot of companies get stuck. It's that point where the founder realizes they have to grow, but he also can't be in the room for every decision. And putting in place this set of questions or a filter for thinking to free him up is a hugely liberating thing, but it's also something that's very scary for a founder. How do I let go of this thing that I've been building since, you know, it's, it's like a little baby that you, you gave birth to, and, and how do I now uh, put it into somebody else's hands? Uh, and we found that uh, it's often a trust issue. The founder doesn't trust that there's either a process or the people in place to actually be able to do the things that he or she has done since the founding of the company. And so what we found is that when you do have the system in place that the founder can rely on, it makes that transition easier. So it often comes down to just a trust in the process and trust in the people. That's great. I think the conversation around trust is a really important one to have, especially when you're trying to let go of things. 
so speaking of those conversations you have with those businesses, when you go into a meeting with a new client, what's that first question you might ask? Usually I like to find out where the bathroom is first. <laughs> Just kind of get my bearings. <laughs> it's important to know. No, but seriously, it's, that first meeting with a client is, is about getting to know them. So what are their hopes? What are their dreams for the business? What scares them? Um, what are the, uh, the challenges that they're experiencing? Um, and it starts with small questions and it often ends up with kind of deep philosophical questions about why are you here? Why are you doing this? You know, a lot of the business owners and founders that we speak with, they don't need to be in business. They don't need to work anymore. You know, they've had great success. So why are they doing this? Why are they getting up every day? You know, sometimes we ask them, when you wake up in the middle of the night, what is it that you think about? What are the things that keep you up at night? Um, and that reveals for us often both the, the challenges in their business, but also the passion behind it. You know, what is it that, that got them into this business in the first place? Mm -hmm. And it typically didn't start with a desire to be, to be profitable uh, or to be successful or to make a lot of money. It was often what we find, it was seeing a need in the world um, and knowing that they were the only ones who could fill that need. Right. A feeling they were really good at this one thing, so that's what they were gonna try to do, and it works out really well, and then all of a sudden, there's an expectation for making money from it, and there's an expectation for this, and you end up in a certain place where you have to get back to that core of yeah. why they started the business. Okay, so let's uh, level set on uh, what compelled each of you to become an entrepreneur. Obviously, you talk to a lot of entrepreneurs daily. Um, what are the things that led to your own sort of entrepreneurial journey? Well, if I look back, even as far as my childhood, I realized I was a very argumentative child. And I think I was very curious, but not in a very endearing way sometimes. And when I first started working, um, when I had my first job, I realized that I asked more questions than maybe people liked. Uh, because I wanted to know how things worked and I, I questioned why things were the way they were. And I quickly realized that that's not always compatible in, in an organization that's not open to that kind of curiosity. And I realized pretty quickly that if I was to be happy myself and to live my authentic life, I'd have to work for myself because I was pretty unemployable in my own opinion. <laughs> uh, so I had to, I had to uh, go out on my own and, and be able to forge my own path. And so, yeah, it's something that once I started it uh, back in 2000 and 2003, I, I remember earning my first dollar in, in my own business. And it's something that ever since then, I, I've, I've, I guess I could never do anything but work for myself now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I, as I mentioned earlier, I had a very different background. So uh, I've known Barry for years before we started this business together. And if you had told me when I met Barry that I would be an entrepreneur like he was someday, I would have told you you were crazy. So I, I really was the accidental entrepreneur. When I, when I left my corporate job, uh, a lot of my friends, good friends and mentors, uh, asked me when I was going to start my own business and that this was probably the time. And I told them that they were crazy. Um, I just didn't see myself as an entrepreneur. I don't know what I thought that animal was, but I knew that I wasn't it. Um, but as I started asking questions about myself, what did I want out of life? Um, what difference did I think I could make in the world? It, it always came back to the same answer, which is I need to go out and start a business and help other businesses have the insights that I've had about culture and about brand and about people and about what it takes to give people purpose. That's great, I love those answers. So uh, are there, now that you, you know, have lived in the entrepreneurial space for a while, are there specific entrepreneurs that you admire? 
I've got a couple that I, I certainly admire, one locally and one, one nationally. Locally, I'm a, a big fan of, of Jenny, Jenny Britton-Bauer from Jenny's Ice Cream. I think that Jenny has built an amazing business, overcome adversity, overcome challenges, and she has built a business that has national recognition, you know, uh, that started with a small little ice cream stand in the North Market uh, here in Columbus. And I, I really admire uh, how they've overcome some of their challenges, but also how they've taken care of uh, all of the stakeholders in their ecosystem, from their employees to their vendors, their partners, uh, their customers. And that kind of loyalty and devotion to their stakeholders was returned to them, you know, when, when they needed their stakeholders most. And I think that I would hold Jenny up as being an entrepreneur locally that I would really admire. Uh, more nationally, I'm a, a big fan of, of the company Chabani and their founder Hamdi Ulakaya. And, and he was a Turkish immigrant who started this yogurt business in upstate New York, not knowing anything about the yogurt business, and turned it into the number one yogurt manufacturer in the US. It's now a company worth about $5 billion. And the way he runs his business is is enormously inspiring. He hires immigrant workers, he uh, takes care of his employees in ways that most companies wouldn't even dream of. He donated 10% of his company to the employees, making many of them instant millionaires. And how he approaches business and how he makes decisions is an inspiration because it shows that uh, profitability and altruism are not mutually exclusive and that you can have a business that has both and in fact, if you lead with this altruism and care for your stakeholders, you can actually be more profitable. And so Hamdi is a, is a big inspiration for us. Those are terrific examples. When I think of somebody who communicates authentically, I often think of Jenny uh, because I follow her on Instagram and she posts, I don't know, 13 or 14 Instagram stories a day. It's insane to watch and you learn everything from how she makes hot fudge for her own ice cream at home with the kids to uh, the meetings she's having to who, where she's traveling. And I think for her audience uh, to be able to see what it takes to be an entrepreneur like her, who is nonstop on the go, but she finds ways to make special moments with her family is really key to that sincerity that makes you want to root for her. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Jenny as well. And I think one of the reasons <clears throat> that we really admire her and her business is that the story that you're talking about, the story she tells on Instagram, the story that's told on the website, the story that's told in all of their product marketing, that story is lived inside the business. So as Barry said, they use their, their purpose and their values and the principles that they developed very early on in the business to make decisions. It's the filter for their thinking. So uh, you know, I can imagine there are a lot of consumer packaged good businesses that are looking at Jenny's ice cream right now and saying, okay, we need an Instagram account. Okay, we need a founder um, who's going to talk about flavors. Can we get one of those? You know, they're, they're looking at it from the outside mm -hmm. and just looking at the surface, not realizing that, that one of the reasons Jenny is so successful and her business is so successful is it's, it's foundational to them, uh, those ideas and those principles. It's not just about the Instagram account. Uh, it's about how they're making decisions uh, especially in times of crisis. So the Listeria crisis is a great example. The decisions they made during that crisis, the hardest time, I think, of their entire existence as a company, um, have set them up for the success that they have today. Yeah, great conversation. And uh, Jenny, please come on the show. Um, so we've talked about entrepreneurs you admire um, and uh, other people's businesses. Let's talk about yours. So what's that biggest pain point that you've been dealing with in your own business these days? I think one of the pain points that we have is that a lot of what we talk about is very abstract. 
So a purpose, something bigger than profitability, that need in the world that you're trying to fill, that only you can fill. Um, a lot of business owners, they're busy <laughs> and they've got a lot of things on their plate. And when they come to us, they're very, very often thinking very tactically. I need a website. I need a marketing campaign. Um, I have retention issues. Um, I can't find the best talent and, and recruit them to my business. Um, so they're thinking at a very, very tactical level. Um, it's our challenge to take them back a few steps from the tactics to the thinking and from the thinking to having insights about themselves and insights about the business that they're in so that they can go forward and, and accomplish those tactical things in the right way. So we, you know, we, we often have people come into our office and all they really want is a website and if we can't convince them that these abstract ideas are important to talk about and discuss and codify, then we can't really help them and I think that's a big challenge. Right, it's like, what are you gonna put on that website well, I'm just gonna, you know, sell my stuff there. <laughs> exactly. Good luck with that. You know, you have to find a way to connect it to what everything else or why you're, I saw a quote that I think you had put on Twitter the other day, um, something about um, they don't buy into your product, uh, they buy into their pain, Yeah. yeah. right? So customer, what pain points are customer dealing with that can be solved by your business? And how do you express that in a way that they see it and believe it authentically? Yeah, and we, know, and we struggle with that. All entrepreneurs do. We know that we have a product or service that is valuable and we want to sell that product or service. The customer doesn't want your product or service. The customer wants whatever it solves. Mm -hmm. So Barry often says, you know, your customer doesn't want the drill, your customer wants the hole in the wall. So yeah. how do we talk to customers about the hole in the wall and get them to buy the drill? Correct. So what is your advice now that you've been through this process? And Barry, you've been through a number of businesses starting. So what's your advice to that aspiring entrepreneur? Well, I think it's, it's to follow on from what Haley just mentioned about that outcome, that why. Like why I would ask an entrepreneur and I ask them regularly when we meet with early stage business owners, why are you doing this and what is the outcome of this work? We get, it's very easy to get attached to a piece of technology or a product because we can build it. It doesn't mean that we should. And many entrepreneurs don't look beyond to understand why they're doing a certain thing. When we know what the outcome is that we're looking for, it changes everything. It changes the products we, we deliver. It changes the services we offer. It changes who we hire. And it's very hard to make those decisions unless we know what is that end goal? What does it look like? Uh, we often look to just find somebody who will buy our product. Like what's the first person who will pay a dollar for our product? Um, and that's not enough. We need to know ultimately what we're solving. So my advice to entrepreneurs is get that clarity on why you exist, why your business is relevant and for whom it's relevant um, so that everything you do lines up with solving that very clear pain point and helps you fulfill your purpose. That's terrific. I, I'll take that advice. <laughs> what um, do you think the next five years look like for StoryForge? It's been in business now for three years and you have developed a client list. You're looking for more uh, great people and businesses to work with. So what does this next five years look like? I think it might go back to uh, questions that we asked and answered for ourselves when we started the business. So we, we took our own medicine when we uh, came together. Uh, before we founded StoryForge, we asked the big questions. You know, what do we want out of life? <laughs> what do we want out of business? Why are we in business? Um, and we came up with some very clear answers and figured out that we were aligned. And I pull that piece of paper out a lot, a couple of times a year, and look at it and make sure that we are still doing what we wanted to do, which was really two things. There were revenue goals um, that we had that we wanted to make and we're, we're on our path to make those. Um, but the other was a lifestyle goal. So we wanted 
business to work around our life, not our life to work around our business. And I think we'd both been uh, in places in, in previous lives where, where it was the other way around, and we wanted to change that. Um, so we, we work like most entrepreneurs. We work our evenings and we work our weekends, but we often do it from wherever we are. So Barry was in Ireland for about a month this, uh, this year. I was in England for a month last year. Um, so we are able to, um, through the joys of technology, uh, to make that happen. Uh, and that's important to us, that kind of balance. And we want to obviously in, uh, increase the impact that we're having and, and continue the impact we're having with, with clients. But the goal was never to become a large, large company where we're managing a lot of people. And so we scale up and down depending on the clients that we work with. And so there are some clients where we might have one or two contractors uh, working with us. Or some uh, clients have as many as eight or ten working with us, depending on the size of the client. And we find that that keeps us nimble, uh, keeps us affordable to our, our clients, but allows us to have the, the freedom to not be spending our day managing people, but rather trying to find ways to impact our clients more. Yeah. And that flexibility may sound strange in the corporate world. You know, it certainly would, would have to me a few years ago. But I think back to my early, early uh, years working in the theater world, it's not unusual at all. So you are mounting a production, you find a choreographer, you hire actors, you hire a director, and some of those people you might work with on many, many different shows or productions that year. But as soon as that show is done, you disperse, and then you start the next production. And we find that not only does it make us agile, but it allows us the ability to choose just the right specific talent and skill set for that client, rather than having a, a team of 100 people working for us all the time uh, that we have to keep busy uh, because we're too large. I think those are um, great points, especially when you talk about using contractors that may make sense for this client versus next client, or you have a huge international business that needs your help and needing you know 15 people to work for you versus a local you know small to medium business in town that really is trying to define it early, and you can manage it yourselves, and then there's one website designer who you also work with. You know That may be what you need. So uh, we've talked a lot about your business. How would people get a hold of you and find out more about StoryForge? Well, if you are a business owner, a founder, a CEO, and you're listening to this, and you recognize that in your business today there are challenges, it might be sales, it might be marketing, it might be telling a story, connecting with customers, connecting with employees, uh, I'd encourage you to visit our website, storyforge.co, that's storyforge.co, uh, and you'll find all the information about uh, how you can reach us directly, but we'd love to have a conversation with you, uh, schedule a chat with us, and uh, let's see if we, can, if we can help you forge your own story. That's great. Thank you, Barry. Thank you, Haley. And uh, this was Daniel from Entrepreneurs Podcast. Mm -hmm.